Hi, everyone. This is Anthony with The Pop Health Show, and the show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in the world. Really excited to have Lodro Rinsler on the show today. So Lodro is the co-founder at Mindful Studios in New York, and he's the best-selling author of a variety of different books, has a lot of different principles and teachings he's done. His background really fascinates me, so I've been really eager to hear about his story, how he got started. Uh, Lodro, tell, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. No, great to have you. Um, really, so first of all, congratulations with my, Mindful. And, you know, obviously, if you're in New York City and <laughs> you've, you've heard of the place, and uh, I've been eager to, to go next time I'm visiting in town and visiting family, but... What's most important is tell us about your origin story. Tell us about your background and the series of events that may have led you to where you're at today. Sure. I mean, I certainly realize that I'm a bit of a weird case in that I was born and raised here in New York, but to by Buddhist parents. So mm -hmm. they started studying Tibetan Buddhism mm -hmm. in their 20s. And it was just always around in my household. So they like came to tell me that dinner was ready and I was sitting there meditating at the age of six years old and mm. over dinner they sort of said you know what what were you doing there and I said well I was just focusing on my breathing and when I got distracted I'd come back and focus on my breathing and they sort of said well yeah that, that's that's basically it mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. so, uh, since it was always just sort of around I, I took to it pretty naturally and then later on in my later high school years um, I did something that's again somewhat out of the ordinary, I realized, but within the Tibetan system, it's actually not so um, extraordinary, which is to take temporary ordination. It's where you actually um, take on monastic robes and precepts for a period of time and see if they're for you. And for me, it wasn't, but um, it was more because I sort of felt called back to, you know, householder life, being in school, you know, these sort of very basic things when you're 17 years old that make a lot more sense. So I really did um, sort of embrace this at that point and went off to university, started doing long retreats and um, really sort of launched a deeper version of my practice at that time and started even being invited to teach meditation and doing teacher trainings um, as early as 18. Although I'll tell you, I mean, for anyone who knows this world, you know, it's, it's sort of a continual refinement where you... Um, you know, I continue to do training and um, it's not like I've mastered anything. I'm just a little bit more familiar with my own mind, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. No, it's a super interesting background. Not, not, not a typical background. Um, really exciting that, you know, ever since you were a, a child, right, you've been grounded in, you know, just really great best practices in the space. Um, tell us a little bit about um, what it was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious, what it was like to start, you know, your current business and your, your meditation practice and studio. So tell us a little bit about what you guys do, how it started. Love to hear of any challenges as well. You know, obviously to do what you're doing is kind of pretty, you know, groundbreaking. So just love to hear a little bit more about the process and the, the energy that it took. Yeah, happy to. So, um, I graduated from university, went to work for Buddhist nonprofits and, got that background in terms of just sort of understanding operations as well as you know really getting to know why people were interested in meditation and that led into uh, my first book which came out in 2012 called the buddha walks into the bar mm -hmm. uh, you know for those of you who are here 
purely for health reasons. I admit, you know, you shouldn't be drinking too much, but there was this sort of notion of like, oh, there's this whole audience of people out there that are saying, I want to meditate, I want to be mindful, I want to be compassionate, and I'm going to go out on a Friday night with friends, and I'm going to um, date, and I'm going to have work difficulties. So my books have always been this bridge around how do we take meditation practice off the meditation cushion and into our social, romantic, work, family, etc. life. Mm. Uh, and as I was doing that work and traveling, I saw more and more people were having trouble finding a way to launch a meditation practice. Um, there are a lot of obstacles. There still are a lot of obstacles um, to working with trained and certified meditation instructors in an accessible way. So I was sitting down with a woman who's now my business partner um, over tea, and she was basically asking me the very standard questions around how do I launch a meditation practice? And I would say things like, well, maybe you want to go to this event every Tuesday night. She said, oh, no, I've got a standing thing on Tuesday nights. Maybe you want to try this style. It's, you know, a four-day weekend. No, no, I don't want to do that. That's too intense right off the bat. And the more we started talking about it, the more we realized something like Mindful Meditation Studio could actually really have a place that could help you. Mm-hmm. And the way that it launched is that it was one studio. We now have three studios and an online platform and a teacher training and a corporate program and many other wonderful wings to it. But it started as a studio in Greenwich Village in New York City where we offer 30 and 45 minute drop in meditation classes all day, every day. So a busy New Yorker could come before work or in their lunch break or on their way to dinner that night. Um, and we have 42 at this point teachers who are all excellent and well-trained and really, really kind, which is really important and accessible so that you can actually walk up to them before and after and say like, Hey, can you help me with my posture? Can you, I've got this weird question. This thing happened to me. And I love meditation apps and there's many that I recommend, but it is really nice if you're able to work with a trained teacher to actually have that sort of hands-on experience where they show you the ins and outs of the practice. Because it's mm-hmm. so, I always joke, meditation is simple. You know, the practice I just described of mindfulness, sit there, focus on the breath when you get distracted, come back. It's simple, but not easy. It's very hard for people to launch a meditation practice. So we acknowledge that and really try to eliminate as many of the difficulties that people face as possible, whether it's, you know, the price, which is, you know, $10 for a first class, um, whether it is, um, you know, actually trying to find the right time where we offer, you know, seven days a week, morning, evening, night, you know, we offer classes in Spanish for people who are non-native English speakers. We have also, we've sort of looked at all these different barriers and said, how can we make meditation as accessible as possible to everyone? Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Lodra, let me ask you. So, um, so congratulations on the growth and for almost like democratizing and disseminating and making it more accessible, these concepts, right? I, I'm very fascinated on like frameworks, but frameworks for only things like I'm, I, I feel like still need to be de- demystified, right? So it feels like we're entering in like this mindful 2.0 uh, world. Uh, my vision of healthcare in the future is is that eventually as we inch towards like mindfulness 3.0, whatever that is, eventually it starts disseminating into our healthcare system and we're prescribing people to to do mindfulness and it's just, you know, it's part of discharge instructions, right? Like that, that'd be awesome, right? And I'm sure you, you share a similar vision um, as well. But tell us a little bit about... Um, you know, I guess more of like in an example, and I know I know you've done this in in a couple of your books, right? So some of the 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 examples, but take your like alpha, 
you're in New York, I'm in San Francisco right now in Silicon Valley, right? And so you see so many alphas, right? Or people that pride themselves on go, go, go. I win, win, win. I can't stop. No, I don't have time to meditate. Um, yeah, that meditation stuff is great, but when am I going to have time to do that? I don't need it. Uh, sometimes I go running and that's how I meditate. You've heard it all, Lojo, right? So how would you have advice for that alpha that's go, go, go? Um, on the contrast, how would you have advice for you know, like, uh, an athlete or someone that is, um, I don't know, your different contrasts of professionals and people that are out there. Um, someone that's might have like six kids and they haven't thought about, you know, mindfulness or, you know, they're always like super religious or something like that. You've seen those different types of personalities. What's one or two things that you've done with those types when you sit down with them for tea to get them to take a step into starting a, a better mindful ritual. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is, you know, when I was growing up meditating, it was weird, right? It was mm -hmm. I often joke, it's probably not the only reason I was pushed into lockers growing up, but it did not help that I meditated. Mm -hmm. uh, so the um, interesting thing that's happening now is I find myself less and less actually having those conversations where I have to convince anyone. It's mm. actually, it's like, it's not, that same world where people are yeah. and I, you know, is this even for me? The conversations I'm having more is like, you know, the people who are, you know, dedicated to athletes, their athletics, dedicated to business, dedicated to spending all their time with family. It's actually more framing it in, don't you want to be as effective and show up as fully and authentically for those things as possible? And mm -hmm. people expect with, I mean, we have wonderful technology these days that links us, but a lot of it is very distracting. You know, it used to be that you would come home from, you know, a day of work and your workday would be done and you'd spend time with family. And now it's sort of like combined because you're trying to have dinner with your family and your phone's buzzing and, you know, there's still something that needs to get done and like this 24-hour workday. Mm -hmm. um, so nothing against technology in particular, but I do think that people are looking at their lifestyle and saying, I got to make a change and maybe mm -hmm. meditate. I, of, I often find that, like, frankly, people will try everything else first. You know, they'll try drinking and online shopping and, you know, gambling or whatever. And then they'll be like, well, I've tried everything. I might as well try meditation. Mm -hmm. Science seems to think that's good for me. And that's the amazing thing. I don't have to convince anyone because the science is convincing them for me. Right. That there is some sense now, if you meditate a little bit every day for a period of just a handful of weeks you actually start to see increased gray matter in the hippocampus of your brain. You see more activity in the ACC. And when that translates for people who are non-neuroscientists like myself, that means that you're actually uh, more efficient, more productive. It means that you are, it boosts your immune system. It, it actually normalizes your sleep patterns. And then there's really basic things like, you know, it's known for stress reduction, which I don't love as a term because it means you, it feels like, oh, cool. If I meditate, I don't have to stress about my taxes. Like, no, you still have to do your taxes. <laughs> but like right. the relationship to stress changes. So those people out there who are saying, oh my God, I can't meditate. It's actually this reframing that I think is really interesting because every time we drift off in meditation and thought and bring ourselves back to the present moment and focus on something like the breath, that is actually creating new neural pathways that say, oh, I don't have to chase after every thought. Mm -hmm. So Thoughts are going to come and go. We have, you know, so many tens of thousands of thoughts every single day. It's not going to just disappear. But our relationship to the anxiety-producing thoughts can change. Every time we drift off, we say, oh, I'm coming back to the present moment. I'm coming back to what's going on right now. 
that actually creates these neutral pathways in the brain. So when we're going about the rest of our daily life, all of a sudden we say, oh my God, I forgot to do that thing. And we acknowledge it. And then we say, okay, but let me focus back on this conversation I'm having right now. So we're less willing to chase after every single stressful thought that comes our way, which can be quite liberating for people. I love it. I love it. Lodra, this is great. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. Um, You know, definitely. Yeah, you know, you're starting to see that a lot more, you know, in society. And yeah, you know, mindfulness is, you know, very liberating. And uh, I appreciate that example, too. (laughs) Is mindful as an excuse for getting out of uh, doing your taxes, you know, and, uh, you know, you don't want to insert probably a meditation when there's like something urgent or on fire, right, that you really should address. But, um, or maybe you do, I don't know. But uh, I guess, Lodra, let me ask you about technique, right? And more in, in terms of the context of, uh, I'm always fascinated by people's routines and habits. What's a what's a day in the life look like for you? Whether it's health or fitness, um, do you do you have like a, a Nintendo Switch and you're addicted to Mario Kart? Um, now, all kidding aside, but um, would love to hear about like your day in the life. Like, how do you do your own health and wellness? Like, what do you do? What do you eat? Do you I can imagine you grab fistfuls of kale and just you know eat them right out of the fridge or but uh, but I'd just love to hear about like your your health and wellness regimen what do you do for mindfulness personally obviously you probably leave but you also have a lot of teachers right right now right that, that do a lot of the sessions so you probably don't have to do you know a full pack day or maybe you do I just love to listen to kind of like your routine yeah no I mean, first of all you're right we with 42 teachers at this point I get to sort of step back a little bit and Mm-hmm. Work on the content and, and develop new stuff, but really, I also get to focus on my own uh, work. Where I, I work a lot with one-on-one meditation students over a period of time, and I run online trainings, um, which is really satisfying work. Because you know, while I, I love everything that's happening in mindfulness, it's been such it is such a special experience. There's also work for me to be doing for people that would like to connect with me and with meditation online. So I've been doing a lot of that as well. Um, but my daily routine often involves um, getting up, you know, walking the dog, making the coffee, very basic things. It's not, I definitely don't eat kale by the handful. My wife really <laughs> love that. But she also wants that I will make the morning coffee. That's like, there's yeah. little, you know, the little rituals in one's relationship that actually show that we care. Um, that's certainly one of them. So for me, you know, having sort of settled into the morning, I do some very basic things to start moving my mind in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. And it's both sort of cutting out some negative habits and enforcing positive ones. So things that I've like really been attentive about cutting out is not checking my email first thing. Mm. Um, even as someone who, you know, works a lot and, you know, has a business and things like that. I, I at this point, have really said, no, that's not, that sort of starts to stimulate the brain in ways that it's based in what do I need to do as opposed to who do I want to be and how do I want to show up? Right. So I don't do social media or uh, email right off the bat. I sort of, li- and, you know, on most days I try and leave those until about nine o'clock, which gives me a couple hours to actually meditate and um, exercise. And those are the mm-hmm. sort of big things that happen every morning. So I go for about a three mile run. Um, but often before that, I will do um, a medley of meditation. I'll do mindfulness of the breath practice. I'll do a practice known as RAIN, where we actually look at strong emotions, just so I have sort of get my emotional temperature check mm-hmm. and learn to work with those. Um, and I do loving kindness practice, which is a practice where we actually bring ourselves and other people in our life to mind 
and um, start to actually consider the humanity and the desires and, and wants and needs of other human beings right off the bat. So this already starts to turn the mind in this particular direction, having cut out some of the like busyness to focus it not just on my own well-being, but the well-being of other people around me. And then there's the run and then there's, you know, food and other things. But um, I find that that really starts to move the overall momentum of my day into a place of more space. Mm. I also, you know, make sure that I try and read about 50 plus pages a day of something. Mm. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's, you know, really wonderful things that help me grow as a meditation teacher, not just Buddhist books, but, you know, books and perspectives I'm not often exposed to as a white cisgender heterosexual man, you know, like mm. work of Bell Hooks and James Baldwin and many mm. other authors I admire. Um, and then there's also, you know, just the day to day. Okay, here's what I need to get done. You know, I've, today's a day that I'm meeting with four meditation students one on one. You know, that's a really wonderful and full day right alongside all of the, you know, sort of teacher meetings and things that pop up at Mindful. Um, and I, I mean, overall, I, I'm very, very lucky. My wife and I have been talking a lot about this, how fortunate we both are that we get to do work that we feel is helpful for people and that actually we enjoy. Because mm -hmm. I realize not everyone has that. And, um, you know, I, I for one feel very fortunate that that's part of my daily routine. I love it. I love it. I like that nine o'clock email thing. Um, I... I aspire to that. I, I do not have that discipline. So full confession, like I get out of bed. Now I'll like do some light stretching and then I'll check my, actually no, truth be told, Odra, I read like 10 affirmations as soon as I wake up from an app. Cause I've read, you know, what you put in your brain the first five minutes, like sets the tone, right? Like so I, I try and like go through the top five, like 10 affirmations I can. Then I'll check email. I'll I'll thrash through all of the inboxes, <laughs> and um, and then I drive to work. I get up at four thirty, and then I'll uh, and then I'll drive to work, and I'm listening to like these YouTube like motivational things that has the you know compilations of the top motivational speakers from like Tony Robbins to Les Brown and everyone in between, and that that pumps me up. Um, but uh, this isn't about me. But Lodra, I guess what um, really fascinating. Do you ever check your email post nine and are like, oh my gosh, I, I really regret not checking that at seven? No. Awesome. I mean, awesome. Listen, I bet, when we first founded Mindful, I felt like I was on 24-7 for that place. And mm -hmm. running a brick and mortar business is, is no laughing matter. But um, at this point in my life, I've really sort of made choices that I want to simplify. And I, I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. like... I was headed in a direction for a period right when, I mean, you asked about the challenges. You know, there is a moment where my wife very clearly, she, we, she was my girlfriend back then, um, said, you know, I, I understand that I'm not the priority here. You know, mm -hmm. my the priority and this is what's going on right now. And it broke my heart and I also knew it was true. She wasn't like being dramatic. It's just sort of that was what was going on. And um, over time I realized like as wonderful as mindful is, as many people are involved in helping it, the more I could delegate and the more I could take space from it, the more I would actually be able to um, have a larger impact overall and balance it with a sense of simplicity and care for the people that matter most to me. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, really interesting perspective. And then on the reading front, are you reading uh, physical books or like off a of Kindle? Um, I read physical books. Yes. Wow. I really Books. Uh, that probably dates me but you know i i as an author myself i have never um i i just feel like the value of holding something in your hands it's 
there's something earthy about it. Yeah. About it. And there's something yeah. grounding about it that I think is helpful. Like alongside practices like meditation, there's something grounding that we need to do throughout our day. Exercise, getting yeah. off food, you know, all of these things, we need to become more earthy and in our bodies. And I think actually holding a physical book does that for me. And then on uh, your mentoring a lot of people right so i could imagine you've gone through this transition where it's just like well i i want i want lojo to lead that session you know i'm not i i, I unless lojo is leading it i'm not gonna attend right and so probably you're having to scale yourself the awesome things that you do right and you probably have some great teachers that are adding to your practice and enhancing but there's probably this like next level I don't want to put words in your mouth, but there's probably like this next level challenge of like, how do you scale Lodro and your, your, your teachings, but your mentorship. Um, and so a lot of our listeners, whether they're a healthcare um, VC or a CEO for a 20 hospital group, um, everyone's going through scaling, right? And making sure that they can enhance what they're doing through other people. What's, what's working for you right now in, in doing that? Or what do you struggling with right now and, and trying to do that. Um, so just love to hear a little bit more about how you, how you're scaling this practice, right? Yeah, it's a really good question and something I actively think about. So, you know, without becoming too political, sure. Um, you know, there was a period of time before mindful right after my first book came out where, um, through various life circumstances, I ended up as a community organizer for Obama, um, presidential campaign. Mm-hmm. And um, there was this slogan that we would often refer to, which is the good community organizer would organize themselves out of a job. Mm. That you would basically continue to work with, respect, empower people to the point that you would not need, be needed for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people who were really good at this would really, they have this like great army of volunteers who felt really dedicated to doing the work and um, felt valued along the way. and. Uh, so there is something that's always stuck with me from that time of how much can I, I mean, I'm one person, I know that. So how much can I work with other people to empower them and trust them? And there's, I think for me, it's always been a, a way of trying to work with first, first and foremost, the kindest people I can find. Um, is when people are like, how do you hire a front desk or how do you hire um, teachers at Mindful, like obviously the teachers need to be extremely well-trained in their own traditions and know what they're talking about so that nothing they teach me was made up last Thursday, but they also really need to be kind. So they're going to like caretake the student's experience and really hold mm-hmm. them. So, you know, once we have those people, we trust them. We trust right. them whole, wholeheartedly. And for me, again, I'm very cognizant that wellness at times is a, is a white person's game. You know, like mm-hmm. when you look at some covers of Yoga Journal or other magazines, not to rack specifically on them, um, a lot of times they put white people on the cover and they're meditating and they're looking blissed out. And for anyone who's ever meditated, you know, it's not like a blissful experience all the time. It's working with your own mind mm-hmm. and sense of suffering. So um, for me, a lot of the work has been looking at my own blind spots and then also trying to um, be an ally and empower people who do not look like me to teach. Right. So one of the mentorship that I'm really focused on at this point in my life is saying, okay, how can we actually bring more women and people of color to places of power so that they can actually have their voice and their experience heard um, right alongside people like me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love it. No, I, th- I appreciate the, 
you know, that framework and the way you're thinking, thinking about it. And I've got to write that down, organize, organize myself out of a, out of a job, but, um, if we can do it. (laughs) Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, it really is. And I, I appreciate what you're saying too on trust. I read, I was reading something on LinkedIn this morning about, uh, I think it was from Gary Vaynerchuk, um, you know, about giving, you know, he gives trust out, you know, very, um, easily and right off the bat. Um, now, and if, if a group is going off in a different direction or a person, you know, put some boundary lines there, but, uh, and I think that's counterintuitive or I, I should, I should say it does feel more effective to do that, but it's not what's, what's natural. And, uh, you know, you can't grow and scale an organization if you have to be in the center of everything. Um, but, uh, Lodra, this is great, really profound, really um, congratulations on the growth that you're having. Congratulations on, you know, really taking us into this uh, mindfulness 2.0 world or even 3.0. I'm sure you're the, you're the father of 3.0, right? <laughs> but um, long story short, Lodger, I guess when it comes to your in-person services, your physical locations, uh, you guys have like online presences as well. Like how would our listeners engage with uh, not just Lodro, but, you know, your your business, right? I, I, I forget how many locations you guys have. I don't know if it's it's the one and you're you know expanding, but um, what would be a good way for people to engage with you, your business, um, if they would like to do so? Yeah, great question. So Mindful has three locations around New York and we have an online platform as well. So it's mndflmeditation.com is the easiest way to get in touch about all of those things. And as for me, with a name like Lodra Rinsley, you thankfully get to own every domain name. So <laughs> LodraRinsler.com. Um, it's L-O-D-R-O-R-I-N-Z-L-E-R.com. And I'm also easily findable at those things on social media, not surprisingly. Um, and I'm always happy, by the way, to make references because I realize for people in New York, they might want to come to Mindful, and that's great. And if people do not live here, there's lots of um, great ways to begin a meditation practice, whether it's following an app, and I'm happy to make recommendations there, or going to a retreat center, or going to a local center near you, or joining like one of our online programs. Um, and I'm running online programs all the time these days through my site. So mm. help people whatever way makes sense to them. I'm always happy to be a resource. Super, super. Congratulations. Uh, really refreshing to speak with you. Um, and hear about your story and what you're doing and the growth that you're having. So it's really, really invigorating and um, refreshing to me. So, um, and obviously to our listeners as well. And I'm sure you'll get a lot, get a lot of pings of uh, people really interested in uh, engaging further. But um, so thank you, Lodro. Uh, to our listeners out there, again, this is the Pop Health Show. And this is for people that are very passionate about making other people healthier in the world. Lodro, again, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely.